the years, we've been pleased to bring you, dear listener, a wonderful assortment of guests of national stature. This process has been aided significantly by the work of publicists. Standing head and shoulders above the pack in this area has been Newman Communications, through whom we've booked many, many guests. Bob Newman is the founder of Newman Communications, and he knows a thing or two about the art of public relations, which he's applied to this election year and the battle for the White House. Last March 27th, we spoke to him in the heat of the primary season, and it's worth noting that he informed us at the time that John McCain was giving the governor of Alaska a serious look as his running mate. Bob suggested we look up her biographical information. We have to admit that we failed to follow up on this hint, but with less than three weeks to, to go before Election Day, it's high time we talk to Bob Newman again to find out how he sees things winding up. Bob Newman, welcome back to Radio Parallax. Good morning, Doug. How are you? We're doing well. Uh, how much is left of this race? <laughs> you know, I, up until, I think, a week and a half ago, and, uh, and you know, through, through the end of September, we'll say, I really felt it could still be a race. I, you know, I felt that a couple things would come into play. Number one, the economic situation of the country would probably wane in terms of it being on the front pages every day. Number two, I felt John McCain would would work hard at connecting with people. And number three, (laughs) I incessantly believe that Barack Obama's support, and still actually do, is very soft. And, you know, with those, those three areas... I felt that there was a good opportunity for McCain, second, third week of October, to really, you know, put the Jets on, to be effective in the debates, and then to move into maybe the third week of the month and be tied in every state. And then we would look at factors like race, which, you know, will will play a role in the election. But what's happened instead is... John McCain has been gobbled up by ineffective advisors. He's been gobbled up by the news of the day, which is the real tough economic climate out there in terms of job losses, the market falling, and foreclosures. And and John McCain finally has not been the John McCain that many who supported him thought he, he was. The independents feeling as though he'd be the maverick who'd look out for the middle class, and the conservatives believing that, you know, he would he would adopt their agenda. He's kind of sat in between, had the news mix in, and as a result, today, we don't have a race. Something really dramatic, Doug, has to happen in the next two to three weeks for John McCain to have any chance, because in large part, he's playing defense right now. In states that he should win, Republican states like Florida, North Carolina, Virginia, Colorado, and Indiana, rather than playing offense in states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Well, uh, I, I want to get into some of those states in particular in, in a moment, but um, I'm, I'm curious, if the McCain camp were to advise you with the time they have left as, as to what to do, what would you tell them? I would tell him by far, he has to A, do something dramatic. He felt that that was talking to the American people and saying he was going to buy back all the bad loans. That actually, A, wasn't delivered well during the second debate, and B, it may not have been dramatic enough. Number two, I think he had, and, and the dramatic I mean in terms of a proposal that will get us over this crisis, and not a proposal where he'll talk in large rhetoric about uh, taxes versus no taxes and jobs versus no jobs and, and redoing Washington versus, versus the status quo. 
the rhetoric and the big picture doesn't work. He really needs to be specific. I think, number two, he really has to be specific in terms of, you know, economic factors which everyday people relate to. And those could be everything from jobs to housing uh, to where the, where the markets uh, are at at this point. And when I say the markets, I'm referring to people staring at their 401ks, you know, going down and down and down. If he can be specific, if he can show that he actually does have a plan, because in large part, Obama doesn't have a plan that is, is highly specific, or at least he isn't articulating it at this point, I think McCain potentially can come back. You know, I think the other factor that I didn't mention before is the choice of Palin was a great choice in terms of energizing his party. The choice of Palin has been an absolute disaster in terms of the independence. And lastly, it's really been a disaster in terms of her readiness to be in an election uh, of this stature and, therefore, people concluding her readiness to lead. So McCain himself has to take hold of this campaign. He's had these bumps before, but I tell you, with 21 days, Doug, I don't know if he can do that. Yeah, I, you know, I went back to our archives and listened to our chat uh, last March, and I do have to take my hat off for you for telling us very clearly John McCain was looking for young and, and uh, young and, and female running mate in general, and the governor of Alaska in particular. It was really nicely done on your part. You know, there were people around the country, you were very polite about it. There were people literally who hung up on me at that point, who said, who, said, who are you talking about? And I said, it's, it, I said what's going to happen? And I didn't say specifically, but in my mind, what's going to happen is McCain is going to sit there stoic and say, I want Tom Ridge or I want Joe Lieberman. Mm-hmm. Because McCain is not a far-right individual. Right. And he, 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 he alienated the base of his party and the advisors who were talking to him saying he wanted the gov- ex-governor of Pennsylvania or the, uh, the senator from Connecticut, and therefore he was then pushed to either look at a, uh, a Governor Pawlenty, who really doesn't have a lot of cachet from Minnesota, a tremendously inexperienced governor of Louisiana, Bobby Jindal, who had only been in office two months, or Sarah Palin, and they really felt they made the right choice, and early on it appeared as though they did. But so many other factors have affected our country at this point that it appears as though the choice of Palin or anybody else would not really have affected this election to the degree it is at this point. America, fortunately or unfortunately, is looking for change. And whether John McCain has the leadership skills to do that for them or not, he has such a wall up in front of him. And in addition, and we really haven't spoke about it, I'm nonpartisan, but it is very clear that the mainstream media, who were all John McCain fans in the past, really would, in large part, like to see a Barack Obama presidency, which will be a wonderful presidency to cover for them. Well, with the, with the, with the time left, if you were going to advise Team Obama, what would you tell them? Team Obama has been, has been effective at this point. Team Obama has, you know, needs to kind of continue to make sure there are no crises within the campaign, to kind of stay above the fray in terms of not being too negative. Team Obama has to you know, be specific but not too specific where it could be called into question. They are, uh, 
you know, I think they're very good at, at public relations. One of the things, Doug, before we go, that I have seen is there have been periods during the campaign where Obama has not been in the news, and he immediately drops down four, five, six points, you know, like when he went to Hawaii for a vacation. He, he needs, finally, to stay out there, to, you know, it, it, in terms of the news. And I think he, he needs to do what McCain finally realized he needs to do after, you know, in, in, in such a questionable way, taking off the last four or five weekends. He needs to barnstorm every one of these states, Obama, from throughout Florida, North Carolina, Indiana, Colorado, and... Uh, even, you know, he has to secure Pennsylvania uh, because that loss of 21 electoral votes will uh, will really hurt. Yeah, Bob, let's do take a minute or two just to go through some of the specifics. I, I've been shocked. I mean, of course, uh, we focused on this program every election cycle on the Electoral College and the battleground states. That really is what determines who becomes the president. But right now it's looking though as though McCain has to run the table on every single state that's that's up for grabs or he's toast. He does, because he has probably lost New Mexico, Nevada, and they will maintain New Hampshire, which could have gone either way. So at that point, it requires him to hold on to Colorado, that he's down six or seven points, to hold on down Indiana, which he's within a point or two, to hold on Florida, which he's probably down four to five points. Um, you know, the margin of error can account for some of this, and also the so-called Bradley effect, where white voters are polled, and they're not accurately polled there in saying that they will vote for a black candidate, but in the end don't. A four or five point um, lead in these states will may not be, you know, so, uh, enough for, uh, for Obama. So I think McCain needs to get it down to at least two to three points in the states that he's playing defense and as you put it that he has to run the table on unless he has an upset in pennsylvania and i will tell you that when it comes to factors of a the working people of pennsylvania who are worried the appalachia what i call that crowd from appalachia in pennsylvania west virginia and that area who were gun-toting males and voted for pro-life gun-toting males who voted for hillary clinton McCain really needs to recapture those and have a chance because Pennsylvania, I also think, and, and I, I you know, apologize for speaking out on this, but I do think there's a significant racial component that could play in Pennsylvania. If it stays at 8 to 10 points, which it has been of recent, I think Obama will be fine because it will end up being about four points that he wins by. But that will be affected, as I said, uh, by race. If McCain does not run every one of these states, if he loses one, if not two. Oh, another one I haven't mentioned, my apologies, is Virginia. Yeah. You know, the shock of Virginia always being a, a kind of right-wing state. That northern component up near D.C. has so taken over the state, as well as there are people from the mid-area in Richmond, where ex-governor Doug Wilder is now the mayor of Richmond, who are very strong supporters of Obama. If you see on election night, and your people see that on the East Coast, that Obama is leading in Virginia and North Carolina, you have to know the election is over. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean the fact that the fact that that McCain is only up by a point. Indiana also. I mean, Indiana's very Republican, and as you say, Virginia hasn't voted Democratic since Lyndon Johnson in '64. So it really isn't looking good for McCain. There's clearly an argument in Indiana that uh, part of it borders the Chicago area where where Obama comes from, but there's no argument for losing a Republican state like Iowa, which he has lost completely. Yeah. And my apologies for not saying it earlier. It's New Mexico, Nevada, Iowa. And, you know, if he loses Colorado, too, which which is about four points, which is a Republican state. So your people should be watching that night, looking at Colorado, looking at Virginia, and looking at North Carolina. Um, Ohio, I believe, in the end, will be pretty balanced. Um, the Obama campaign, and, and I say this not knowing, whether it be legally or illegally, because there's arguments for it at this point, have done a phenomenal job at registering young voters and voters of color in Ohio, I still and in Pennsylvania. I think those two can be tight. Uh, it's these smaller states that will throw uh, the election to Obama really early uh, in the evening. And there could be a possibility, Doug that we're not looking at 270 vote, uh, electoral votes or 280-some-odd that Bush has had. There's a possibility that we could be looking at a landslide of 340 to 360 electoral votes on that night. And my only editorial comment there is, because, again, being nonpartisan, I'm trying to look at it, I don't believe the American people are necessarily at this point voting on who they know. I don't think they know Obama. And that's not a negative. I'm not saying he will be bad by any means, but I think they're voting on their pocketbooks now and they're voting on their emotions now. And anything different than Washington. Obama, you asked earlier what, what he could do. Continue to tie McCain to George Bush because whether it be appropriate, whether it be, uh, whether it have, uh, real, whether it be reality or not, he's done a great job with it, and that's lost McCain three, four points in every one of these states. Well, final question. Uh, We made on-air predictions of a Gore victory in 2000 and a Kerry victory in 2004, and frankly, don't think we were wrong, but we're tripped up by some rather dubious goings-on in Florida and Ohio, respectively. Um, I don't know if you share uh, the belief that, you know, there was some... uh, Shady activities going on, but but a lot of people are concerned that that in this election, uh, well, with 14 states with no paper trails, is it possible that election could still be swung with some chicanery? Three or four weeks ago, the Obama campaign put 400 lawyers in many of these states. The McCain campaign put about 200 lawyers in, any, in many of these states. Wow. I heard from a couple of them recently who said they're pulling out because they actually don't believe the chicanery will get to the degree where it will work. You know, I actually have a philosophy here, which I know may not agree with, with, with you and your people, but Florida, to me, actually was pretty dead even to me. Okay, And when I say dead even, I'm talking about give or take on either side. Okay, yeah. I think John Kerry made a terrible mistake not uh, contesting Ohio. Okay, I agree with you there. I think that Kerry would have had a good chance if he had kept it, if he had kept it going legally and kept it going in terms of, uh, of looking at, uh, at what some of the, the votes are. I think that the tough part is the chicanery will probably happen. It may happen on both sides. And this has already been an election, Doug. 
where mm-hmm. we have had male versus female when Clinton was there, where we've had black versus Latino, where we now may have black versus white, where we have the senior population versus the, uh, the younger population in terms of who they're voting for, although that's beginning to change with seniors looking at their pocketbooks now. I hope, you know, that there is not what you're talking about, because it will continue a divide that if you watched, as I know you did, this week at the McCain rallies, that appears to be extremely scary for me. And I hope, you know, that both of the campaigns will tone down the rhetoric because it really looked like, in my mind's eye, that it was bordering on violence at this point. And when I say at this point, visioning ahead and saying that if this is how they're acting now, how are they going to act in a couple of weeks? So they will act probably inappropriately during election days you're talking about, and then I'm terribly worried. I'm actually more worried now. I was very worried if Obama had lost the election of how the population of color would react. I'm actually more worried about what may happen to our country if he wins the election as a result of how some on the right are now feeling. Well, Bob, sometime between Election Day and Inauguration Day, we're going to have to have you come back and and give us an overview. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at California right before we talked, and while California appears to be a state that is so much in Obama's court, and we know he's going to win California, I'm a bit surprised, I was going to tell you, Doug, that he's not winning it by more. Hmm. And that may be a indication of what we see on election day, but not to the degree where it will change the election. It just may tighten up over the next three weeks, and it may tighten up when people go in the polls and aren't as straightforward as they may have been in the polling. So I look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. Very good. We've been speaking with uh, the founder of Newman Communications, Bob Newman, uh, who is also a political pundit. And and before we go, Bob... um uh, any number you want to you give us as your prediction for the, the, the final total? I'm going to suggest that maybe we're going to be in the 310 to 320 range for Obama, and then McCain will probably maintain something down in the 160, 170 area. All right, Bob. Well, it's, we'll see what happens on November 4th. It's going to be interesting no matter what. Okay, Doug. I'll talk to you right after that. Very good. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Anyway, there's a science item I wanted to tack onto this segment, which I thought was very, very fascinating. Researchers at the University of Nebraska took 46 people and surveyed them on their political views. They then exposed them to a series of startling sounds and threatening images. It turned out that people whose political views fell on the right side of the spectrum, they expressed support for capital punishment, defense spending, and the Iraq war, had a much stronger physiologic response to these images and sounds than did liberals who were defined by support for gay marriage, foreign aid, abortion rights, and anti-war views. Their reactions were simply much more muted. They didn't perceive the same level of threat. Researcher John Hibbing told the Washington Post that, uh, well, this seems to demonstrate that conservatives and liberals view the world partly through a matter of biology. It may well be that to some degree, people's political orientation is hardwired. Though to the researcher, neither side necessarily is correct in its interpretation of possible threats, but people are simply experiencing the world differently. That is such a fascinating study. We hope we bring someone on the show in the future to talk about it in a little more detail. 
Let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Science. Science. Oh, 